Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Yagmoth Soap Opera. I'm Andy, a.k.a. Eternal Hammer, and I'm joined by the regular co-hosts, uh, George, a.k.a. Wiffy Penguin, and Zach, a.k.a. The Hoff. Uh, we'd like to thank our sponsors, puremtgo.com uh, and mtgotraders.com. Uh, today we've got two events to bring you, and we're also going to have a look at the, the split of the, the classic metagame month by month since the release of Med 4. So we'll start with the, the first event to fire this week, which was on March the 26th, and a, a diverse metagame um, coming smacking in the face of comments that Classic was a, a stale format. So let's have a quick look, and uh, George, do you want to start us off by having a look at the deck that went 4-0 this week by Excorpio? Uh, sure. So, um, so yeah, Excorpio 4-0'd with a new deck. It's black, red, and white fish relying on Aether Vial. And the deck looks like it was built with uh, more of getting paired up against the other fish decks than getting up, getting paired against mostly any other decks. It's got four plows, which are also good against Lodestone Golems. And it's got an Umazawa's Jit so that I mean, Umazawa's Jit is good with Dark Confidant, but it's also good at taking out other creatures. Yeah. Uh, Umazawa's Jitty is, is really a, a tide turner in, I guess, the old school combat. I like that. What else impressed you about it? Uh, well, I played against him in round two, and Goblin Vandal was actually pretty good against me, and I was Oath. But other than that, it, it was just, it could just grind out pressure, and both of the games were really tough and long. I don't. I don't actually like the deck that much. So, what don't you like about it? Uh, well, I don't think it's. I don't think it's set up correctly. Um, the War Priests of Thune seem like a pretty narrow answer against Oath of Druids, which is doing really well. And I don't think Swords to Plowshares is good enough as the only way to beat uh, your a resolved Oath after War Priest. Okay, fair enough. What did you think about it, Andy? Well, first of all, I had to even look up what War Priest of Thun was, and uh, yeah, it seems like a useful card um, against uh, against the Oath match. I think I think this deck is actually a lot cleverer than we're maybe giving it credit for. It's um, it's obviously a meta deck designed to attack the current classic environment. Uh, running running the main deck Jailer, bringing in Leyland of the Void to shore up the Dredge match. Um, plenty of action going on against, as we've said, the Fish decks. Huge amount of um, land destruction with the strip mines, the four wastelands, and the four ghost quarters from the sideboard. Um, there's some really kind of random one-ofs uh, in, in the main deck as well. Um, Kataki Wars Mage, um, obviously a house against shop, but maybe surprising to see it as a, as a one-off copy. Um, there, there's a lot of disruption there as well, I guess, um, with, with, the, with the vandals and the... Um, the, the disenchant coming in, but there's not a huge amount to really attack attack workshop. Um, I, I, I think it, it looks quite an interesting uh, an, an interesting build. He's obviously sort of sat down and thought about what he what he might expect to see in the format. Had a look and noticed that both uh, Oath and Fish were kind of dominating at the moment, and has, has tuned the deck to to kind of have a have a pop at them. And uh, it's obviously worked for him going four and zero. It'd be interesting to see what what matchups he faced on the day. Um, I, I take your point. It does look does look weak to Storm. Um, only really has the the ley line of uh, sanctity coming in um, there, and maybe try and get lucky with the Thoughtseize. Um, 
So yeah, interesting. It's really good to see people innovating in the format. I think we we spoke um, in podcast two, I think it was, that the people that were going to end up ultimately doing well in this post-Med 4 environment were people that actually started to build decks from the classic up rather than um, <laughs> porting in legacy or classic decks. And uh, I think from, from what I see, this is a good example of a, of, a, of a player who sat down, looked at the classic metagame and, and really thought about how he can build a deck around, around the tools that are available to, to go and attack that environment. And uh, be interesting to see if he can if he can repeat the success with the deck and uh, whether others will pick it up and, and, and tweak it a little bit. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's probably an excellent deck. Scorpio is a really good player. I just I don't like it. Yeah, and my thoughts on the deck are, are, are really as follows. I um I like a lot of it. Uh, it looks like with black he actually took the color and took the best possible cards that he could play from that color, at least in this context. Um. Yixlids coming in the main are the only black card that I see as kind of like a risk taker besides the obvious demonic consultation because most of his cards that he wants is silver bullets. They're silver bullets for a reason. That means he's running one. Um, so to get that skull plant, skull clamp, jitty, uh, kataki, or, you know, any of the other singletons like strip mine it, in a pinch, it's kind of a risk with consultation, but it looks like this desk is a risk taker. Um, I, I love consultation for you know, go get that uh, war priest of Thune, go get that dark confidant, go get that vandal. Sure, and and for those guys, I, I definitely agree with you. I'm just thinking um, in the context of wanting those silver bullets, you're running low on life on on Bob, and you need that jitty. Um, anyway, uh, as far as artifacts go, I don't think Ether Vial is a great choice in the environment <laughs> right now. Uh, I don't think Fish has really any problems casting its creatures. Uh, obviously, Fish runs counter magic, but this deck in the spot of those vials, I think uh, Duress is way better in the current metagame and, and in the format in general because it almost always has a target in every single deck. Um, anyway, I think that would also shore up the Storm matchup and, and make it stronger, even though he's still running the Swords to Plotchers that I like personally. Some people might not, but I, I think it's a great choice right now. I, I like the deck a lot, and it looks like a really cool Dark Boros version with the Grim Lava Mancers attacking the fish. Uh, I don't want to call it a mirror because it's not, but it looks like it's built well to attack different matchups. The only big thing that I would definitely change right off the top is throwing those Eighth of Isles in the trash can. Um, sideboard looks good. Uh, it's kind of kind of risky running the four ghost quarters and eight ley lines as having really only three slots to work with, but... Looks like it worked for him, so um, let's go ahead and move on here. What do you think about the next deck, Andy? Well, this is just a, a typical um, good game oath deck, um, very similar to what we've seen before. I mean, uh, interesting to note the two mystical tutors. We've not really seen people cranking in the extra mystical tutors that are available to them in, in Classic, with it being a restricted card in, in Vintage. Um, he's running a couple of days as well, which you don't see all that many of, but... Other than that, um, I'm sure George will correct me if I'm wrong. There's there's not um, not a huge amount of uh, of difference from a stock uh, good game oath deck here. So maybe we should just move on. Sure. Yeah, not really. Just the bribery that we noticed last week. Sure, yeah. sure. You know, the only other thing I see is it looks like he cut down one more stifle, so he's down to two. <coughs> okay, next deck, um, the cheese, and he was running a uh, stacks variant. It looks like this one was uh, with stacks, so it's not a stacks with stacks. And um, 
It looks like this is kind of like a, a tip of the hat to the old, more old school attack their resources plan than attack their mana base. I mean, it has that as well. But, you know, running Crucible of World Smokestack and, uh, you know, cards like Transmute Artifact that you don't see too often. I think this is a really cool build. Um, this guy has the same attack your mana base mentality. And it also runs two Bizarra Baghdads and Goblin Welder. So with Goblin Welder, in the Bazaar of Baghdads, I mean, you form a pretty powerful combo. You can do things like uh, recur your stacks and really make them sacrifice like three permanents a turn and then bring something else back before it's your turn. You can pull some cool tricks if they destroy your artifacts. They're basically re more resilient than others. Um, George, I heard, I heard you talking about this before uh, the segment here. What, what do you think about it? I think it's great. Goblin Welder is the mirror breaker. And this deck sets it up really well with the uh, the bazaars and the smokestack. You can use welder to uh, recur smokestack and never stack a permanent. Yep. Yeah. There's only eight red sources of uh, potential red mana though to get that goblin welder into play. I guess. I guess it's not a card you need to see at the start of the game. And uh, yeah, it does. It does seem a little bit light on red mana sources. Um, I guess that's. A uh, kind of necessity when you're running the workshops, the factories, the bazaars, the wastelands. There's not really much room for for additional uh, mounting effects. So, well, there's seven there's seven red lands and then three uh, moxes that give red and crucible. Yep. So, scalding turn fetches the volcanics there, and that's pretty much all it's going to fetch unless you you're playing the mirror and you get the island. Um, so yeah, the seven plus the mana, the mox opal and mox diamonds. It seems you know one and six for a deck like this isn't horrible. I, I don't know. It, it's not. It's not. It's not a deal breaker by any means. And you know this deck's going to get that mox opal online fast. So anyway, um, I thought this was a cool deck. And the sideboard, it was what tabernacle, a tendril, va uh, pendril veil, excuse me. And that's become more popular lately. Any other things that stand out to you guys there? Um, not really. I mean, the Chain of Vapors are interesting, but I would I would assume they're more for Oath. Yeah, fair enough. So, uh, Andy, moving on, what was our next one there? Well, the next one was uh, one of our uh, good clan mates, the Wild Dog, um, running uh, what looks like a, a pretty typical dredge deck. Um, main Leyline of Sanctity um, as a four of. <coughs> But uh, other than that, it's uh, again, it's a, it's a typical stock deck, um, and we, we've not really seen that much dredge in the format recently. We've uh, commented on it recently that um, although the kind of dredge hate seems to have tailed off a little bit with some of the shot players m removing the main uh, main deck ley lines of the void, we've not really seen seen dredge hitting through. And uh, yeah, it looks like our clan mate um, took our advice, or maybe independently decided to. Uh, to shuffle up the 75 uh, library uh, graveyard um, dredging uh, deck and um, made the money with it, so good to him. Um, but yeah, not a lot to uh, to really signal out there for for innovation. Well, I mean, he is playing five anti leyline cards in the main deck. So I mean, he he knows that leyline could be played in game one, and he's got five ways to stop it. Yeah, Chain of Vapor and the Four Natures claims. It's kind of, kind of, I still think that's kind of ambitious in these decks because, yeah, he's running colored mana, 
But you're not keeping a hand with this deck based on colored mana. I mean, you're keeping a, a hand based on Bizarre Baghdad, and the only land he can really guarantee he can get besides Bizarre is the black mana producing Dakmore Salvage. But Yeah, but a good player can play through uh, Leyline of the Void in the first few turns. And the fact that he has the options to get rid of it in game one, I think, is important. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how, how important it is now, because I don't really see a lot of ley lines being run. But I, I hear you. I mean, I, I, I understand the concern there. And you could play around it if you expect it. But personally, I like to maximize everything I can in a, in a dredge deck. Um, there's so many things that you want to fit in there it's tough to do but yeah I, I totally hear where you're coming from his uh sideboard he's running pining needle where or, or as as andy says which is probably correct <laughs> pithing needle but uh what what matchups are those for um time ball wasteland yeah okay tormont's crypt all right so yeah, and he's running you know additional enchantment hate with the wisp mares and the chain and the sideboard. So I mean he's really he's really prepped up for those uh, ley lines to come out there and toy with them a little bit. Um, last we've got two uh, CB with four color fish. Uh, the main deck is a carbon copy except for minus one noble hierarch and plus one tarmogoyf. Okay. And then in the sideboard, he cuts the heap dolls for Yixla Jailers. Very cool. How you like that? Um, it seems pretty good. It also, I mean, I understand heap doll being a good turn one play as well. Yeah, gives you something to do. So other than other than that, not very interesting. Yeah, still the Gilded Drakes. Uh, it's funny how quick those don't become interesting. Those were like the secret tech for the first week there. Yeah, and uh, I actually got paired with him in round four of this event, and we ended up splitting, and even though I would have liked the the win, I let him have it so that I could record last week's podcast on time. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I remember that. So, that's cool. Sounds like that was a pretty uh, intense event. This event had... Did you guys notice the variance in the metagame there? I mean, the five different archetypes being represented in the top? pretty cool yeah classic is stale yep it sure is there's nothing to do so you got nope. three decks to pick from but these results obviously don't count so <laughs> what was the rest of the roundup there andy for the metagame in this event yeah well george did the scouting for us here and um we had the a, a red shop stack which looked at that went uh, three and one we got a, a red blue shop stack um two four color fish decks Two times bad elves, uh, two dredges, uh, one of which made the money, an elephant oath, a good game oath. There was the, the crazy ex Scorpio deck, a Tesserator deck, uh, a gush control deck. Somebody joined and dropped just to get the event to fire. And the last deck was uh, Sensi Sensei, um, which is a deck that we've not seen in, in classic for a while. Um, runs um, Helm of Obedience and Sensi's Divining Top to generate infinite storm to normally kill with um, a brain freeze. Um, I'm guessing that that was probably Kane 732 since he used to love that deck from a long time ago. Um, it was. Uh, it, it was. was. And it's yeah, Home of Awakening. Cool. Sorry, sorry. Home of Awakening. Yeah, Home of Awakening. Stand corrected there. Um, so, George, do you want to give a quick rundown of uh, your your um, experience of the event? 
Yeah, I mean, I played uh, in the event with Elephant Oath. I had uh, teched it out a few weeks ago to have a good game against the fish builds, as well as t uh, tuning the main deck against Shop. And in round one, I got Shop, and I just destroyed him. Turn one, he did not. Uh, I went. I went first, and I resolved the turn two oath through. I don't think any disruption. And then in game two, I resolved a turn one oath and a turn two another oath. Uh, round two, I played against like Scorpio. And in round one, he got me. In round two, I had a force of will sitting on top of my deck for a disenchant. And for some reason, I didn't draw it with my Sensei's Divining Top. And I lost. Um, and then in round three, I played against one of the Bad Elves decks. And the reason I say it's Bad Elves is because it's not the Berlin style with Earthcraft and Skull Clamp in it. It's like aggro. And that's just not going to cut it in Classic. And besides that, it was 121 cards. I, uh, I pretty much brutalized them. And then in round four, I split with 2CB. Okay. Well, that's cool. Um, what do you think you'd run if you just ran a random event tomorrow? Any any input there? Who, me? Yeah. Oh, I've been wishing that these events would fire so that I could play Storm. Very cool. So you've been playing around with Storm. You think that's a strong contender right now? Uh, well, the last few weeks, I think there's been, uh, or the last two weeks... Uh, there hasn't been a lot of shop. I mean, in this event and the next one, I believe there were only four shop builds, and only one of them made the money. And I, I feel like the format is soft to Storm right now. And stale. And stale. All right. So, looks like uh, we had another event, uh, and in this event, the top of the standings there were a lot more, uh, shall we say, oathy? Sure. Um, we had Cat Weasel coming in at 4-0. She is obviously a really strong player. She hits a lot of money finishes. So looks like her typical um, one that she's been running. Except, George, you will notice she has two Dragon's Breath. She does have two Dragon's Breaths now. So she is now running the, I guess, full set. I, I'd call it like that if it's one-to-one. -one. Um and looks like, you know, she did really well. She went 4-0. No surprise, like I said. And uh, you guys have any thoughts on her deck? Do you notice what else is missing? Show and tell? There we go. Yeah, I do. I do indeed. So, Although um, she, didn't, she didn't put it in the sideboard, which I thought would be a good place for it. Yeah. Uh, looks like she did all right there. It looks like the two changes that she made there really helped. At least, you know, this is the first 4 I've seen from her in a couple weeks. So kudos to her. Um Next deck, guys? Well, there's another uh, Oath of Druids good game build. Uh, this was the crispy one. Um, a very similar similar build, really. Um, nothing to to really signal out. I mean, there's two Ancient Grudge in the main deck. Um, obviously, a nod to, to shop. Um, but, yeah, not not anything really standing out there to, to talk about. The, the next deck is, is really interesting, and I'll let you and uh, George fight over who gets to introduce it. Uh, George is the one who noticed it, so go ahead, George. All right, so um, when I was doing the meta wrap-up for this, I saw that this kid was playing with Trinket Mages, and I really, really wanted him to, to money so that I could see what his deck was. And then I get to see it, and it is just utterly ridiculous. 
That's the that's the only way I can I can say. I mean, when you guys open up the deck, the you should just scroll down to the uh, sideboard. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely a concept that we haven't seen before. <laughs> so I'm not even I'm not even sure how to classify this, except for the fact that it runs zero legacy banned cards. So it's essentially a legacy deck. Although it looks like it's got the power of an extended deck. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's different, but you know, I think this is one of those things I always laugh about when I see because this this reminds me a lot. I mean, this is less powerful and doesn't run as many good cards, but it's like it's like how I felt when I opened the X Shockwave X's deck a few weeks ago. You know, it's like something you totally didn't expect that would even have a chance in the classic metagame. Uh, Baneslayer Angel, Venser, like himself, not the Planeswalker. Uh, it's got some got some crazy stuff. I think the craziest thing Andy was talking about beforehand was the Logic Knot. And what in God's name makes it better than a Counterspell? Um, or for that matter, a Mana Drain. I don't, I don't even want to compare it that high. It's not even better than the Common. Um, it's, it's not even... It's not even really better than a mana leak. Eh, I'd say it's better than a mana leak, just because some of these games stall out, and you know it's not always great. But I don't. Yeah, maybe it is better. Maybe a mana leak is better because if you have nothing in the graveyard, it's useless. So I, I don't and know. Mana, mana leak only costs one blue. Yeah. So the other thing that I noticed right away was that the deck was running the Chalice of the Void and all the. Um, Small costed things. So what is he really locking out? I don't think he wants to lock out his moxes. Um, he could. It's not a big deal. He has thirst for knowledge. But then he has a bunch of one drops. And the biggest, you know, target for the chalices, in my experience, has been one. So anyway, um, Andy, you wanted us to go with it, but what are, what are your uh, thoughts on it? What's your input? Hey, it looks complete and utter junk. I have no idea how it's gone there. Three and one. And I never want to see it in classic again. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's strange. No soul ring, no Just, nothing. So I don't know. Anyway, I, I um, can only imagine that this guy was just messing around with a legacy deck, and just saw that the classic was about to fire, and just thought, "What the hell? I'll chuck my six tickets at it," and off he went. Well, he uh, he, he made money, so kudos to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I shouldn't be so rude today. But let's let's look at the sideboard. The second card in the sideboard. Four force of will. Yeah, that's kind of a big deal. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's what we were talking about beforehand. We were kind of counting through the blue, and the the interesting thing is, when I looked through the spells, I said, "Oh yeah, I, I kind of understand this thing. Really can't support it." But then I saw every one of the creatures except for the Bane Slayers are blue. I. I have trouble justifying some of the broken turn one plays that come in classic and then having force a will on the board. I don't know about you guys, but... <laughs> I, it, it, I just don't get this deck at all. Um, I don't think we should spend any more time on it. I think it's a freak, and I don't think we'll see it again. Okay. So, looks like coming after him was um, Tutaku, who took Dredge to the money, which we've been talking over the last week, if you know... We should probably point out the fact that this is the second Dredge deck in as many events. Um, 
something we've been talking about is how Dredge has been underperforming or at least been underutilized. Nobody's been running it. Nobody's been trying it. And we've all been asking why. So it looks like it's still viable, which I don't think any of us really doubted. But this build looks pretty traditional. It has um, some good Dread return targets and the Sphinx of Lost Truths and um, the... Oh, it doesn't even have a terrestrial on. So it's really Sphinx of the Lost Truth and Flamekin Zealot are the Dread Return targets. Uh, again, another person is able to, let's say, slay the uh, Ley Lines. Uh, he only has four, though. He's running four Chain of Vapors. But this this build, to me, looks really solid. And it's the kind that I think I would play if I was playing uh, Classic Dredge right now. Um, sideboard... Again, looks looks pretty good. Has the Terrastrid on there for the stacks matchups if you wanted a little bit of extra um, just to fight whatever they'd bring in. And it looks good. I mean, it's it looks like a solid deck. What are you guys' thoughts? Good dredge deck? Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. Well, this is uh, this is Timmons' deck again, um, full color fish, uh, with cold-eyed Selkie coming in as a four-off in the sideboard now. That's not been there before, has it, George? No, and I think that is a nod to um, mirror matches. Yeah, definitely. We uh, we commentated on one of the mirror matches last time out, and um, we we did we did comment that with with fish becoming so prevalent in the classic environment, that we would be seeing more of that fish on fish matchup, and uh, makes sense to bring in stuff on the board to show that matchup. Yeah, I mean he's he's down to just the four leyline of the void um, against Dredge, but up until this event, Dredge wasn't really playing, so it was it's excusable. And then he's got four and null, which seemed kind of spicy. Yeah, I'm kind of... It, it really seems cool. Um, I'm trying to, like, envision how it would feel to play a cold-eyed Selkie in a mirror match with some Exalted on the table. That sounds that sounds really spicy. And the null, yeah, it's a great way to fight both Oath and uh, um, Stacks at the same time without spending too much room in your sideboard there. Yeah. Um, he cut down on a Gilded Drake. In the main deck, he cut a Birds of Paradise for a Fourth Armagoyf. Yeah. So, looks good. Timmons is still running hot. So, uh, Andy, what was the metagame matchup there? Or roundup, sorry. Um, the roundup, again, it was, uh, it was George that did the scouting. We had, uh, four good game oaths in the, in the deck. Uh, in, in, in the, in the event, sorry. Three Dredge, two Gush Bond, and, uh, Gush Bond people are obviously still trying it, but it, as far as I know, it's yet to, uh, to make any money slots. Uh, it's four color fish. There's, uh, Ex Scorpio again, who didn't make the money this time out with his, uh, his innovative, um, black, red, white, uh, vile fish deck. That was a, uh, a red deck wins. Uh, that's uh, the cockroach of the format that never goes away, as uh, <laughs> as, as George would say. Um, there was one shops, um, a trinket mage, Jacerator, and two people were kind enough to join the for- the event to get it to fire, and then then dropped off straight away. Um, so <coughs> there, there we go. Um, I would love to see some people taking Gush Bond to the money, and I, although they haven't, I'm kind of excited that people are at least shuffling it up and playing it now. <laughs> Alright, so, I don't know if anyone noticed, but I recently wrote a new article about playing with, uh, playing, building a new archetype for Classic, and it's interesting that Excorpio moneyed with the deck that he built, because it's kind of similar to the one I did. And uh, while I was writing that article, I saw Colney Woods 
playing in uh, SCGLA last weekend with an Artifact Infect deck, kind of like a mashup between Affinity and Infect. And I thought that it looked kind of interesting and that maybe maybe Workshop could power out early Infect wins as well. Uh, and when I was talking about this with Zach and Andy, Andy went ahead and found a uh, mono-green-ish Infect deck built for Vintage. And uh, they're both they're both pretty interesting, and maybe maybe we can try and you know work them into the classic uh, meta game and see if where they might be uh, where they might be viable or not viable. What do you what do you two guys think? Uh, I mean, it looks like a cool concept and principle um, to only have to do ten damage. I mean, consider in fact two damage per. Um, that's a pretty big advantage compared to having to do 20 with any deck, with any card. Um, I mean, aside from strategies like paint, Painter Stone or something like that, life's always important. Um, so, I mean, I, th I think it's a cool in principle. I don't think anybody's really tried it, so I, I'm kind of interested to talk about it and see what you guys think we'd do uh, if we weren't going to run something like that. Andy, what would you think? You, you, you offered up the green deck. Yeah, well, I, I guess I was kind of curious about the green deck because I've been playing a little bit of Pauper this week and uh, I ran into a, a, a mono-green Infect deck and uh, it completely owned me, um, being able to do kind of essentially 10 damage rather than the, the full 20. And I, I did wonder if that a, a kind of an aggressive creature deck might be the way to go in, in Classic at the moment um, with, with, with the way that the, the, the environment's set up. Um, but... I'm not sure that this is really going to be viable enough for Classic. I don't know if it's going to be really fast enough. It seems very, very weak to to the very quick Storm builds. And um, uh, even against um, sort of um, some of the shot builds, I, I, I think we'll get locked out too quickly and their creatures are going to be a lot bigger than yours. But the, the idea is to land a, an Infect creature really quickly and then rapidly pump it up for the win. Um, this particular build has got um, quite a lot of creature pump in the form of Rancor, um, Berserk, and Invigorate. Um, Invigorates are quite expensive online at the moment, only being available from um, a dual deck, I believe. Um, but um, yeah, it might be worth might be worth shuffling this together just out of curiosity. But um, it's not it's not a deck that really kind of um, inspires me. It's not a deck that really suits my playstyle. Um, I much prefer to uh, to sit back and counter a few things and then go nuts rather than rather than swinging in with the creatures. But we we, we can maybe play around with this over the coming weeks and um, see if it does have any any sort of viable strategy in in classic. Um, I, I think I prefer the the mono green build to the to the shop build that we're moving on to. So uh, George, over to you. Well, I mean, you say you say it's not fast enough, but this deck can easily get a turn two win. Um. They run out of turn one, Infector, and then on turn two, uh, you invigorate it and then berserk it, and that's game. That is a that is a very fast draw that the deck is built to do. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, um, there isn't a lot of creature removal right now, even with the the Dark Steel dude, Mister Colossus, but. Um, or blight steel, excuse me, but it does like uh, seem like combat tricks are still kind of uh, kitschy, 
but in a way I could see it working. I, I could totally see it working. I don't have any problem like in my mind's eye saying, wow, you know, make this guy a 4-4, four, four, uh, bam, do 8 damage, turn 2. Not a lot of decks can deal with that, including, I think Fish might even have problems with a, with a deck like that. But I, I'd like to see it in practice. I mean, we were talking before the show if we wanted to go straight in and talk about him before we played him, and, and we kind of came to a consensus that it's kind of cool to uh, to go through him and see what we could do to make him better. And um, it'd be hard for me personally to say what to do to make it better because... I don't know what its weaknesses are as is, but it looks like both of them look like cool decks. Arcbound Ravager and Cranial Plating are pretty dominant, as are Green Pump effects. So, Andy, you, you thought the green one looked better. George, after seeing both of them, which one would you play? Um, I think. Well, the green one is already built for me, so, and I don't think it would be very expensive to build. Replacing the uh, the three the two moxes and the lotus with uh, maybe lotus petals, mm-hmm. so it probably wouldn't be too hard to build up. But the other deck, the legacy brown recluse that Colney Woods played, I mean it's it's built for legacy. We don't have access to Tangle Wire, and there's no workshop in the deck yet. But I really like the idea of Arcbound Ravager and Cranial Plating making your 1-1s into 6-6s uh, six or 7-7s seven and winning in two hits. Sure, yeah. It seems seems like a doable strategy. I'd love to see it played out. So hopefully we'll get some time to do that over the coming week and maybe we can revisit it then. But, um, yeah, I, I think both of them can do pretty well. Let's um, move on to the pie charts here. Uh, so now, next up, George has done some hard work, number crunching, looking at the the metagame breakdown over the last few months. So, George, do you want to talk us through these uh, these pie charts? Yeah, I mean, well, it wasn't it wasn't that much hard work. It was a couple of clicks. All of this information is available on uh, Classic Corner. But I broke down the format since uh, it started over the last three months. Because I have a feeling that next week we're going to have to classify the metagame under a post-Destiny as opposed to uh, post-Masters Edition 4. But uh, for the month of March, Stax has finally been dethroned as the default best deck. It is now perfectly tied with Oath of Druids, with Fish right behind. Um, in February, it was the month of Stax. Uh, it had twice as many as second and third place, or it had as much as second and third place, uh, which were Dredge and Oath. In January, as you know, the format was entering its infancy, we had Stacks dominating at 27, with Jace Raider coming in second, Dredge in third, and Oath in fourth, and Green White Hate being the fifth uh, best deck. And then the overall metagame. Is, I mean, Stacks is 30% of the metagame. It, it's going to happen. Maybe if if the trend continues through April, Stacks will not be 30% of the metagame, but I have a feeling that with Metalworker being released as we speak, it's going to happen. It's just going to get better. Yeah, and, and, and I think uh, the overall metagame chart might reflect the... Uh the propensity for the events to fire in February as compared to now, because if we remember, we were firing a lot more back then, weren't we? I believe we fired 10 events in February. 
10. And what was how many did we fire uh, in March? Uh, six or seven. Six or seven. Okay, so it wasn't as big uh, a difference as I thought. As I thought there, but yeah. So we had a couple more, and that was definitely the heavy month of stacks. So looks like that's a pretty diverse metagame. Andy, you were talking about stale metagame, huh? I was only talking about stale metagame to reflect conversations that have been taking place on the classic quarter recently. Um, one particular troll by the name of Goblins Lackeys Blue has been touting how stale the format is and uh, how how classic is is doomed to fail until someone breaks Doomsday. So uh, any any reference to classic being stale was just uh, a, a little sarcastic digger. Um, our, our good friend on on Classic Quarter and uh, I in no way think the the, the format is uh, is boring, stale, or in dire straits. So. Looking forward, Andy was talking about um, loving to see people still going with the Gush Bond engine. Um, I love to see the innovation, and I know George does too. So what do you guys think besides the Metalworker effect we should look forward to? You, you, anybody want to predict any big shifts in the metagame coming up besides the Metalworker stacks thing? I think I think Bargain um, will you know start hitting the money soon. It's historically just a ridiculous card and so and if someone can figure out how to how to cast it consistently or get it into play consistently hello new best deck yeah agreed i mean it seems like a good card it's just hard to say what kind of a deck would run it i think uh you know just all the all the different ideas we had when we were going over it the other week it was pretty ridiculous how many ways it makes something better anyway we'll see what happens going forward um yeah, I think that was about it for this week. Uh, Andy, you want to wrap us up there? Yeah, well, I, I guess um, we've had a, a look through two events this week, and we've shown that there is a pretty diverse metagame. Um, George has shown nicely that, that Stax is on the wane and that Fish and Oath are really taking the fight to it now. Um, so we'll, we'll wrap up. We'll see you in seven. Um, again, thanks to uh, mtgotraders.com for sponsoring us. And uh, we'll give a good plug to go and buy the cards from them. And uh, we'll see you soon. Cheers, guys. Bye, everybody. Yeah, have a good one, guys.